Today's lesson text comes from the Gospel according to Mark, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Jesus went out again beside the sea, and the whole crowd gathered around him, and he taught them. As he was walking along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, Follow me. And Levi got up and followed him. And as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. And when the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard this, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I've come to call not the righteous, but sinners. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. When the people came and said to Jesus, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Jesus said to them, The wedding guest cannot fast while the bridegroom is with them, now can they? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them. And then they will fast on that day. Now no one sews a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old cloak. Otherwise the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and the tear is made worse. Likewise no one puts new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise the wine will burst the skins and the wine is lost. And so are the old wine skins. But one puts new wine to fresh wineskins. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that through the work of your Holy Spirit, you may not presume to speak for you, but that your word would communicate with our innermost hearts. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So today we enter into the second and third of the conflicts that there's five of them that cover Mark chapter 2 to Mark chapter 3, about somewhere in the middle. Jesus gets in five conflicts in the Galilee area with the Pharisees. Last week we looked at the story of which one's easier to say, your sins are forgiven or get up and walk. A key point in there that Jesus was pointing out Religious people tend to say, your sins are forgiven rather freely. There's not much risk involved in it. But on the other hand, if you say, get up and walk, well, we'll all know right then and there whether it worked. And Jesus used that example to show that saying, your sins are forgiven, is actually the weightier matter. So even though he was being charged with blasphemy, who's this person saying his sins are forgiven? Jesus was saying that was indeed the heftier part. And so Jesus is going to continue with this conflict with the Pharisees, and he's going to do it today by actions that just rock their world. 
So in verse 13, we have Jesus went out again beside the sea. And this just keeps with this chapter of Mark that none of this is per se chronological. As, as I've said a couple times already, Mark likes to put the stories in kind of a compilation so that they all interpret each other and it builds up towards his main point. So Jesus is at some time again out by the sea doing his ministry and as the usual, he's got crowds following him around. And we get this really brief call. Levi, in verse 14, is called a tax farmer. I like the Greek for that, a tax farmer. Anyone can be a tax collector, but I think tax farmer gets you to the idea of what Levi was really up to. And it was interesting when I did some research on this. It, it's one of those things where, yeah, tax collectors, nobody likes IRS agents. We get it, Pastor. But when I really did some digging into this, it, it was interesting how much they dislike their tax agents. None of us, <laughs> none of us go as far as saying that if you are an IRS agent, you can't be a judge ever. But that was the law back in this day. And, and we don't say, well, because you're an IRS agent, you can't ever be trusted as a witness in a criminal trial. But that was the case for Levi and tax collectors in Jesus' day. I mean, imagine that. They disliked tax collectors and thought they were so crooked and abusive as they were farming the people for taxes that if a tax merchant saw a guy get killed right in front of him and told you that, culturally, eh, you didn't even see it. And it's not like Levi could really have a chance to make amends in his life and say, well, I'm no longer a tax farmer, I repent, because I also found out in my studies that tax collectors were excommunicated from the synagogues. So it wasn't like Levi could go to church. No, it was, ooh, uh, sorry, we're a, a, a non-profit, so you, you're going to have to take that outside. And you were just considered a massive shame on your family. And that's who Jesus calls opening up today's, today's story. Is, is Jesus comes and we have this very short little narrative. He sees him sitting there taxing everybody and Jesus just says, follow me. And Levi, or Matthew as we also know, gets up and follows Christ. Now that brings the, the conflict point because in verse 15, as he sat at dinner in Levi's house, so Levi is just stoked the same way Zacchaeus will be. Jesus, a, a religious figure, brings him with this call back into the fold. The guy who couldn't go to synagogue because he was seen beyond salvation as Christ, the, the healer, the preacher of conviction, hellfire, is the one that calls him out and says, follow me. So Levi, of course, is celebrating in joy. But this is where we have to check some of our cultural assumptions. So it says in verse 15 that as they sat at dinner in Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were also sitting with Jesus and his disciples. Now, it makes a good sawdust trail conviction sermon to point out that Jesus is dealing with sinners and transgressors, and that that's normally how we use it. But if we just meant that 
that term sinners here, if Mark just meant sinners in the Greek, he would have said tax collectors and other sinners. Because again, they just like tax collectors so much, there wasn't a difference between Levi and the lady in the night. There wasn't a difference between Levi and as far as many people were concerned, because he had Roman power behind him, a murderer. Now, what's going on here is this term sinners is technical. And of course, we all love technical Greek. That's what we come to church to just get more of. But the easiest way to sum it up, according to the people who study this stuff for a living, is more in the term the Pharisees themselves used, people of the land. Because the Pharisees were, if not religious extremists, they were very, very religious buzzkills. They had a whole system set up that looked a lot like what would later become the Catholic Church system. And this, even these terms, the, the scribes of the Pharisees, refers to that system of Hasidim teaching. The scribes were ordained, the Pharisees took oaths when they became Pharisees that they would never ever eat again with anyone who didn't keep the law and was strict in it. The Pharisees were very serious that if you didn't tithe that 10%, you were out. And, and the Pharisees' whole religious viewpoint was that God had made the law for Israel to be separate, and they were going to be even more separate, to the point that they would separate themselves from anyone in Israel that wouldn't keep the law. Now that gets back to our point here because the Pharisees called folks that didn't want to keep kosher, that weren't particularly interested in God, but just by some serendipitous accident happened to be born from Jewish parents, people of the land. And that's who Mark is referring to here when he talks about Jesus eating with tax collectors, aka where we go to sinners, people who do bad things and that should be sweating in church and sitting up on front bench and crying as far as we're all concerned. That's the tax collectors there. But the sinners in this verse is not, is not that. The sinners here is the people who typically don't care about religion. It's the folks that can't be bothered to show up on Sunday or to give any thought to God whatsoever. So that's who Jesus is out eating with at Levi's house, because guess what? A man like Levi, what kind of friends do you think he had? He wasn't friends with a whole bunch of Pharisees. So to not beat that dead horse any longer, verse 16, when the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, they asked, why does he eat with them? The Pharisees, who thought that the restoration of Israel that the solution to today's problem of religion was to be strict in it and to kick anyone else out who didn't fit 100% on the checklist as they saw fit, could not understand the fact that here was Jesus out eating and congregating with the people that stood in conflict with that. So Jesus hears this, and he gives them his answer. And he uses a proverb that they would agree with. 
Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. Now there's two possible meanings to this. We can say Jesus is giving charity. He, he sees that the Pharisees are on an okay path, or they're zealous for God. And out of an overwhelming pastoral concern, Jesus is going to the outcast. But the way Matthew has worded this, the second reading is probably more correct. And that's that the Pharisees are thinking they are righteous, thinking they don't need a doctor. And Jesus is going to those who at least know they're not in a right relationship with God. And Jesus, in, in making this action of eating with them instead of the Pharisees, he calls out the idea, first of all, that it's disgraceful to even associate with the outcast. Jesus is smashing that social barrier. But he's also giving a message to us in the church. Now, we're here on Sunday. We all believe in Easter. We think the Pharisees were wrong for killing Jesus. But sometimes we need to put ourselves in the Pharisees' shoes. We tend to, to approach Christ, approach God in this Pharisee mindset that because I go to church, Lord, you have to answer my prayers a little higher than the cube. And that just trickles down into all of American religion. I mean, let's face it, at some level, we give our tithes and we expect the church to care about us a little more than the person who doesn't. And as a pastor, I'm happy our records are sealed because there's always that temptation of you scratch my back, I scratch yours. And the Pharisees really thought that keeping the law, being the holy people, they were the one the Messiah would come and talk to. They wanted to know more about God. They were open to the idea of a great teacher come and giving them all sorts of explanations of the ministries, of the mysteries of God, of the Holy Trinity. And here comes this Jesus fellow, and he's off talking to the folks that, one, have never bothered trying to live a good life in any way, shape, or form, and two, have never had any interest in finding God whatsoever. Jesus' actions here make it very clear that the Old Testament prophecy I've been found by a people who did not seek me, and those who sought me have not found me, is very true in the Messiah's actions. And it just calls into question how the church sometimes has to relate to this Jesus that doesn't fit our, fit our boxes. We expect Jesus to always be at the beck and call first of the Christians. Let's make ourselves the Pharisees, get into their viewpoints. But many times he's out at work amongst those who don't even like us. And that's going to get to the second thing. Verse 18, now, John's disciples and Pharisees were fasting, and people came and said to Jesus, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? So what's important for today's message is just the realization fasting is a religious thing that people do and do. Now, it's a very fair question that they ask Jesus, especially the disciples of John, and like, well, John said you're the one that comes after him. How come you're not fasting like he did? Well, the, the quickest way to sum this up is they're fasting, and Jesus doesn't 
denying fasting here. He, he says the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will fast, verse 20. But what he's really pointing out is the fast is inappropriate. The fast of John's disciples was repentance. Remember, John the Baptist came preaching repentance. The kingdom is coming. Jesus here, by saying the bridegroom is with them, is saying John's fast is now inappropriate. You can't fast in repentance in preparation for the kingdom to come when it's here. So Jesus answers that to John's disciples, and on the same to pretend the Pharisees, keeping with their characters, they're going to just, it'll be their character for the whole gospel. They're fasting to establish their piety, to consecrate themselves to God. They're fasting to find God deeper. It's that same issue. Whose table is Jesus eating at? So they're fasting for inappropriate reasons. They're fasting to stay away from the table that they actually should be going to. And Jesus just gives two examples of the fact that religion has now changed and it's going to burst the mold. And we have two examples of breaking. If you sew untrunk cloth on an old cloak, the patch pulls. If you put new wine into old wineskins, which have been stretched, and they're kind of like gross pieces of leather, once it starts to ferment, pop, it goes everywhere. Jesus is saying that this fasting that John's disciples are doing and the Pharisees are doing just doesn't fit the new reality of what is going on with the kingdom come. And I'd say as an application for today's message in just closing, we should look at this Jesus who does not eat with the Pharisees and eats instead with the transgressors, the tax collectors, and those that are disinterested in religion as the mold having been first. And it's a challenge to the church in a great many ways. I would, I don't want to get into a full other topic, but we have in the last 60 or 70 years psychologized a lot of religion. The, the pastor is now the pastoral counselor. We've, 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 we've covered a lot of what you find out in secular culture. And I think there is a challenge to revival and being God's people and active in making the differences that the church used to by the church being a little self-centered. We, we pray because we want our prayers, our concerns answered. We seek God and we seek knowledge of Him because we want our desire for that fulfilled. And in some ways that puts us in the wrong position to meet that Jesus is going to be at the table of transgressors and sinners or people of the land that just don't care. It, it's as if we've brought back the old wineskins, the unshrunk cloth, and, and sewn it back on our garments and wondered to ourselves, why is it going as it is? It, it's not an easy message today. I mean, I, I, I kind of started with the Pharisees on this one. They were the folks who had zeal and desire and studied their Bibles better than even I have. And to see that the Messiah, the chosen one, was going to, to them, was setting up 
the parable of the prodigal son, which isn't in this one. I think that's only in Luke. But it's the same kind of challenge it offers us. And as we look at the church and the Bible and we ask, where's religion going in America? Well, religion is going to the tables of tax collectors and people of the land. And the church either has the option that, like the Pharisees, it doubles down, it tries to fast, it tries to just clean itself up with so much orthodoxy. Now, I love orthodoxy, don't get me wrong. But that it kicks everyone out and just doesn't get the 100% perfect mold. Or it joins Christ, the shepherd, its leader, in reaching out. As a pastoral mentor that I look forward to said on a podcast not recently, when we focus on ourselves, it tends to just be a cul-de-sac. And churches are the same way. You don't go anywhere. The church that is only inward has these four walls. The town, the life, everything else is external and out there. You can't make new friends sitting at the same table at lunch period that you do every single day. You gotta go rub some shoulders with the new people. And that, for a great many of us, is the good news. It's that Jesus that sees past the divisions that goes where the Pharisees say the Messiah has no business going that called Levi, changed his whole life, brought him back not just into the synagogue but into the holy church, transformed him from being a people of the land, one of the dirty Roman little stooges, into being a man again of Israel, Levi, Levi, a priest unto God, Jesus changed that with just the two words, follow me. Imagine the church if we were to burst the mold a little bit and say to those that perhaps were uninterested or feel disqualified, come with us to Christ and follow me. Let us 